What's up, guys? Welcome to episode two of Eastern Current. Uh, we are excited to be here. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Yes. We've got a pretty sweet lineup tonight with uh, our buddy Jason Dale. He's sitting right next to me. We're not going to show him to you yet, but we're going to talk all about redfish and kind of with a focus on sight fishing redfish. Um, but yeah, we're stoked. We're going to we're gonna come at y'all every week, hopefully, with, with a new topic, and, and uh, we're just excited to see where this goes. So... Um, just thank y'all for tuning in. We want to see where y'all from. So just go ahead and comment in the comment section. Um, where, where are you tuning in and watching the show from? Yeah. So just city and state. Really. Yeah. City just and state, know where you're city and from. state. We want to see who is watching the show from the furthest away. So, uh, let us know in the comment section. Um, and we would love if y'all just right now, this would help out, us out a lot. If you would just go share this on your Facebook, on your Instagram, um, tell people we're live that they can come tune in and watch the show. And, uh, and we're going to get going here in just a second. But, yeah, thanks for tuning in, man. We're excited. And uh, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Billy here. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Thanks for joining in. Travis Overman says I'm from – and there's nothing there. Travis, I think you're from Wilmington. I, I think, think I, I actually hit you up on Wilmington. Facebook to buy a camera. Maybe I believe that was it. <laughs> Is that your buddy? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's I Travis. I was talking to him today. Hey, yeah. Travis, thanks again for today. You're the man. Uh, so Landon Ray says Austin Parker is going down. Uh, we already have beef on this uh, chat channel. I'm not sure what's going on. Here. Oh gosh, uh, Travis over. Landon, says, calm it down. Southport, calm it down. Wilmington. Uh, Billy is from Rockingham. Great name, by the way. Oh, your wife is on. She's from Ogden. What's North up, Carolina. What's up, Hannah? What is up? All right, Trish is joining us also from Wilmington. All of our Wilmington people, super excited that you're on. Uh, like Justin said, great broadcast, man. We have a champion in the house tonight. A champion, Literally yes. Literally a champion. We brought him on to talk about sight fishing for redfish, but I really want to know one thing. How do you win big money? So that's going to be my question. Like, how do you dominate redfish tournament? How do you win? Because um, so, nobody fishes tournaments because they like fishing. It's all about the money. It's all about winning. It's all about the money. Well, I don't know. I don't. I fished one tournament in my life. It was a kayak tournament. I didn't even get away in a fish or anything. Man, that is impressive. Yeah, dude, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> It was pretty terrible. So anyway, Justin, tell us before we get started, because we want to jump right in with Jason here in a few minutes, but tell us what's going on on the water. I know I was out there on Saturday. You're, you guys were out there as well. You were trolling for some Spanish and some King. Uh, you know, we caught some Spanish and King with Alex uh, Benson over at uh, Golden Hour Guide Service. So for sure, cool. for sure. Well, I'll start inshore. Inshore fishing, um, it's, been, it's been good. Uh, redfish bite is still pretty good. There's been some trout around, some good trout in the river. Um, flounder fishing's good. Definitely a lot of nice flounder near shore, um, as well as inshore. There, people are starting to to catch some bigger fish inshore. Um, when I was offshore, or when I was near shore the other day, I think we uh, we had some some Spanish action. Didn't get into the kings too much. I think we we're a little close in, maybe a little late. But um, guys are catching kings really well, Spanish really well. We did some jigging um, for flounder. Caught some gray trout, uh, some black sea bass. Um, so the nearshore stuff is definitely there. Um, offshore, the wahoo, or not the wahoo, but the mahi fishing has, has been really, really good. Um, guys catching a lot of mahi and, and big gaffer mahi as well. And had some buddies catch, uh, get into the blackfin pretty good uh, this past weekend. Uh, released a sailfish. Um, caught, I think, three wahoo. So, yeah, everything seems to be pretty good. And uh, we just need maybe a little bit more rain, get a little bit more bait up into um, the inshore waters to, to fire the, the inshore fishing off a little bit more. But other than that, yeah. not much to complain about. 
That's awesome, man. Well, and obviously the Big Rock tournament brought in just a monster. Oh yeah, the Big Rock tournament. Forgot about that. Oh yeah, how can you forget about it? I've I been don't following know. it on the app like all week, just like on pins and needles to see who's going to win it. You know, I'm like one of those like big fish guys. Like I didn't really, you know, I shouldn't admit this. But I didn't really pay attention to all the other stuff. I just paid attention to like that bigger fish. Yeah, that was a monster. Um, yeah, dude, 914 pounds. Monster. And I talked to a couple guys. Talked to Luke Tippett and talked to a few other guys, and they said like that thing was so big that you know, kind of the report was it was hanging off the back of the boat and just kind of maybe ripped a couple hundred pounds off of it on the way back. I in. didn't hear so, that. That's impressive. I can't remember what the date was. Like maybe back in the 60s or something, or that somebody actually you know caught like an 800 something pounds. So really just setting records over there we got a lot of people watching from raleigh i'm just going to read some of these comments raleigh i believe i saw your mom on here watching hey, hey mom how's the flounder fishing her going? comment says hey dad this is buzz <laughs> that's awesome all right i'm going to start saying that this is so buzz this is buzz this broadcast is buzz so uh speaking of tournaments we got a few <laughs> events coming up uh, just here in town we want to just promote those i don't even know if these guys you know know we're promoting i just you know saw that they were coming up here yeah in town. for sure so if you guys have any events or anything coming up you want us to announce for you in the you know episodes or whatever coming up episodes just let us know but we have the captain hook back uh, backwater bash that's coming up at Jula- june 22nd. the backwater bash the backwater bash those guys are awesome man i used to do some work or not work with them but used to they used to advertise and do some stuff when i was uh doing some other stuff and so really cool cool guys there hatteras marine club was putting on the blue marlin release tournament june 23rd through 29th awesome uh, pirates awesome. cove it, marina is also putting on a pirates cove small fry tournament Dude, I'm just welling on these tournaments. Yeah, today. let's hear them. On June 27th. And then last but not least, we got the Fisherman's Post Topsail Inshore Challenge. Going to be up at East Coast Sports June 28th through the 29th. So Y'all don't even I'll need to worry about fishing that one because I think the guy we've got here is probably going to win that yeah, one. Yeah, man. Well, hey, let's uh, – before we get into it, but it, it, oh wait, should we go ahead and bring him on? Should we introduce? No, let's just bring him let's, on. Let's, yeah, let's introduce bring Jason. Him on. What's up, Jason? Come on in here, man. I'm gonna put you guys on camera. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to be here, man. Thank you for having, or thank you for mm. having us. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I know you're, you're pretty popular these days, winning tournaments, and so to fit <laughs> us into your schedule is awesome, man. I win one tournament now. I'm a superstar. Is that, that you're a superstar? You're, you're a superstar, man. You just so, um. I just wanted to touch on your tournament. So uh, this weekend is the uh, Eric Powell tournament out of Sneaks Ferry. It's okay. Out of New River Marina. So um, I don't know if anyone knows who Eric Powell was, but great fisherman, just a great guy in general. Um, Suffered from ALS, so that tournament's put on in memory of Eric. And also um, the money raised from that tournament will actually go to a local ALS foundation. So. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't but know that's that. That's awesome. There. So anyone who's considering being on the water fishing this week, Entry fees are extremely low for that one. It's like 150 bucks to enter it. Um, and then again, just, you know, due to the nature of the tournament, be just be a good one to get into. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, man, thanks for bringing that up and joining that in. Before we get into the interview with you, I want to go ahead and announce our catch of the week. Uh, I'm going to bring up tonight. Okay, who is it? Oh, Ooh, here we go. I'm going to bring it up. I forget I got a slide. Here we go, Brandon Mayo. Catch of the week. I don't know Bee what he's doing. Bee mayo, man. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, those are nice. Some fat bellies right there. Let me look at the background, see where he caught them, and I'll be out there this weekend. <laughs> look at the paddle in that one, man. 
Yeah, that's beautiful, beautiful. So anyway, you have won the T-shirt that we are promoting, so congratulations. We'll be reaching out to you to get your uh, shipping information or if you want to meet up and we can hand it off to you, no big deal. So let's go ahead, Jason. Let's jump right in. I know you and Judd are going to be kind of talking about redfish. That's where both of you uh, do really well. I think if you know Judson, you would probably say, hey, that's where I'm – uh, key as far as you know fishing as well. I think you and I had that conversation earlier. Um, so just to give you a little background about Jason, he is uh, kind of a jack of all trades, if you will. Like just a lot of, I mean, does a lot of tournament fishing, um, builds rods, has a has his charter boat business. I mean, just does a lot of cool stuff. A big part of the community. Uh, it's an honor to meet you. You know, I heard your name in the fishing community, obviously a lot, but to make that connection. And I saw your truck. You know, I have a thing for logos, so I always see it and like, oh man. I walked out and it's like I've seen this all over town. So <laughs> thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and pleasure to meet you as well. And just thank both of you guys for having me over to think enough about me to have me here tonight, just to be part of Eastern Current. So it's, uh, I'd say it's an honor. Yeah, man. Well, we appreciate Same with it. with us. It's second episode, so we're super you got some faith stoked, in us. <laughs> man. Had some faith in us coming on, you know, trusting us with your reputation. You must have not talked to Luke Dene about last week, so. <laughs> yeah, Luke Dene, I think he lost business. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you guys are going to do well. I've got all the faith in the world in you. Hey, well, man, thanks, we, man. After seeing your layout tonight and kind of where you are and hearing the background and how everything's transpiring, I, yeah. Yeah, man. I think you guys got no direction to go except for up. Right we appreciate on. that. Yeah, we appreciate that. So we uh just been working hard, especially on the second episode. So it's good to have a champion in the house. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> it is buzz. To have a champion in the house is very it buzz. It is very buzz. <laughs> I dig it. Awesome. I dig it. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out who else commenting. So if you're watching and you want an opportunity to win, I'm going to bring this up real quick. We got some Marshware. We have some AFCO uh, shirt here. So you can check that out as well. We're going to be giving that away. We got several stickers. So we have AFCO. I'm just got product everywhere. AFCO stickers. We got Judson Brock stickers. Ooh, we just got dog. stickers everywhere. So anyway, guys, let's go ahead and get right into it. I'm going to put the camera on you guys, and let's start talking about redfish. We're going to be talking about sight fishing for redfish. All right. So my first question, I got a nice little list of questions here to, to run through with Jason. But I wanted to ask him, and I'm going to I'll share as well, but how did you get into fishing? Let's hear your backstory. Where did it all start? Yeah, just get, just get get comfortable there. It's we've got some lights in here and it is very warm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've been fishing my whole life pretty much. My dad got me into it. Uh, started off bass fishing with him, um, not really competitively, just kind of for fun on the weekends and. Maybe I fished a few tournaments with him growing up, but I moved to Wilmington, reveal my age here a little bit, but I moved to Wilmington <laughs> in 94, 95-ish, and um, started off fishing offshore, and kind of transitioned as gas prices and everything went up in the 2000s. You know, I was fishing inshore, but mostly offshore, and I uh, had a bigger boat and sold that boat, um, condensed down into to one inshore boat, and it kind of is all been a wrap since then i've just kind of stayed in shore fishing since then uh, i missed the uh, opportunities to go offshore um, and do guided trips off the beach but man i never look back uh, inshore fishery is i mean it can be so good and so consistent throughout the year you know the offshore guys it's feast or famine for them you know i get to 
spring, summer, and fall, and then, you know, wintertime, it's a 60-mile run or, or bust unless you want to go out and catch sea bass. So I don't regret it at all, um, getting rid of, you know, the temptations of going offshore. Um, <laughs> I definitely love the, the inshore fishery just as much as, as I love offshore. Not yeah. that I don't like to go out there as much. No, definitely. The inshore so – it's a goofy word, but I always say intimate. It's like that shallow water and, and um, you know, being being back in the marsh is, is, a, is a cool way to fish. I definitely have um, gotten that addiction as well. That's kind of – I started fishing with my dad when I was a kid um, around Topsail Beach and um, just just kind of the same story. We used to go offshore as, as – uh, or when I was a kid uh, as well, but um, as soon as I started inshore fishing around high school, it was it was really hard to go back and – focus on the offshore thing. I just wanted to learn everything I could about redfish. And so that's kind of where I came from as well. Well, um, what's the, what's the best redfish story you've got? Biggest redfish. We're just going to start this out with some day. value of the biggest redfish. Best story. I love it, man. I yeah. Love yeah. This inter- I love starting. Don't out have to big. be the biggest. Just like when I say the most memorable day of redfishing. I don't know. I mean, what compares to Pamlico when you first, you know, that's true. I want to say some inappropriate things, but you know, what's, <laughs> What's better than going to Oriental and catching, you know, 30, 40 to 50 pound class drum on yeah. top water, popping corks, you know. It's hard to beat. And that definitely is. doing it. Everyone talks about Louisiana, but being able to go do that in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, here. And bigger fish, you know, the size class is bigger right off the bat. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's nothing like seeing a school of 40 pound reds cruising down a shoal on the River. Yeah. Yes. So a question for you real quick that's coming in. Yeah, Judson, this is for you. William Barber says, uh, NC or or Louisiana for inshore drum? Oh, man, that is a tough question. <laughs> you better answer this right or I'm going to have to find a new co-host. Um, North Carolina for sure. No, I, I love North Carolina. That's where my heart is for sure. There's some insane sight fishing in Louisiana for sure, and I love that place. I've spent a lot of time down there. Um, but a good day of sight fishing in North Carolina, I, I, I mean, it's just home. I love it here. So that's my answer. All right, that's fair enough. So if you guys are watching, if you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever, if you want to ask questions, do that at, you know through the broadcast, and we'll get to them as we can. We may not get to them immediately uh, but because we're struggling to, like, do we – answer or ask questions as we go through the broadcast or do or do we you know wait till the end or whatever but feel free to ask them if you have any questions or comments or whatever and do us a favor if you haven't already share this broadcast man we want to get this out to as many people as we can a lot of people are looking you know to figure out how to fish in north carolina i was new to the area four years ago and so i'm always looking for information always looking to talk to captains and learn how to fish and bothering everyone at the tackle shop and uh (laughs) you know so it's nice to get an answer besides Gold Berkeley Bates, go walk at the pier, you know? Uh, so just super excited about... North end of Wrightsville Beach. Uh, yeah, Wrightsville Beach. You know what? Whatever. That's where I'm at, and that's where I love, and, and that's what I got to do, man, you know? So I'm mean, definitely be asking surf fishing questions, so I hope you guys are prepared. So oh, anyway, man, I'm let's ready. get back right back into it and, and start, you know, I know we got some questions. If you guys have some questions, uh, Ken, here, we'll start with this question. What time of year is good for redfish at Oriental? Anybody have an answer for that? August, uh, right? Yeah, that's going to be late July, August, first half of September. It's usually prime time for Oriental. Bottom bottom fishing, you know, deep water, shallow water, fishing the shoals, popping corks, fishing deep water, chunk bait. Um, August, September is probably my favorite time of year to be up there fishing. Definitely. And, and I would say, yeah, look for the bait. Where's the bait? And uh, 
you can catch those fish in all different depths up there. But, but yeah, I would say August, September is, is, is where it's at. So August, September and looking for the bait. So when I'm looking for the bait, you're looking for, looking for, that's how that's I've always question? fished up there too. Just tried to be in areas with, with lots of menhaden. So, okay. Yeah. So lots, especially of popping cork fishing. I've done, done well around the, the schools of menhaden there. So, all right, cool. Good answer. All right, so let's keep, uh, we'll just keep rolling, man. So speaking of sight fishing for redfish, when you're looking for those fish, and Judson, I know that you and I, uh, I'm going to bring all of us on camera here. Sorry, I'm like struggling once again to, to run this thing, ask questions, do all that. So you're doing great. Let me. Uh, oh, there's me. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to go. Oh, oh that there's is not you. Judson Brock. The, oh, gosh, look at me. I'm going everywhere. <laughs> Maybe I should just quit now. Here we go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to my main camera fix it and then bring these guys on perfect there we go how about that there we go there we go and i'm gonna get this lower third off so talking about sight fishing for red drum i know when you and i went you took my father-in-law and i uh and we're you know we we're fly fishing and, and we we're looking but but where do you start you know i feel like there's this just big marsh out there and i'm going i'm on my boat maybe a john boat maybe i got a nice boat maybe whatever maybe i got a nice flat boats but I might have all the right equipment, but what am I looking for? Like, where am I going? Am I, you know, like, am I going to... Like GPS coordinates? GPS coordinates would be great. That would be good. So if you guys <laughs> That's can a good start. Yeah. publish those... Scribble some down. We'll just <laughs> scribble maps. that. We're drawing maps. I like it. Yeah, draw like maps. Ma map friendly? You know, I can't just go into the tackle store and be like, where's the school of Red Drum? And this is what you hear in the fishing community. is like, go find the school, go find the school. Big question, how do you find the school? Where's the school at, Jason? <laughs> Jason <laughs> wants to shoot himself in the foot. Uh, not just one foot, but both feet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to do the same. No, it's, um, uh, you know, Judson's got a shallow water boat. I got a shallow water boat. So we, you know, we keen in and, you know, I guess what you and I do and what a lot of other local guys do in this uh, industry is looking for that shallow bottom habitat, you know, fishing water three feet or less. And just trying to find key areas that will hold fish consistently either throughout the year or during a specific time of year, year after year. Definitely. So They're creatures of, of habit for sure. Yeah, like you're going to exactly. find them in the same zones at the same time of year. You can almost, I mean, if you keep a good journal and you find fish, I mean, you could go back and be like, all right, this date last year they moved in when the water temperature was like this. And you can almost get it to the week a yeah. lot of times when you'll see fish in certain areas. And um, there's, I mean, redfish are... In different areas, they they act differently, um, but like I like I said, they're definitely creatures of habit, and we're we focus like Jason was saying on sight fishing, um, which I feel like is awesome, but sometimes can be the downfall too because there's days where the fish, I mean, a lot of the fish will end up being in deeper water, and, and finding them in shallower water can be tough. But um, what what are some of the things you look for if you're just if you're going to a new area? What are you looking for um, habitat wise to find fish? Yeah, well, the first good question. Thing is play the tide. So if the tide's not in my favor, you know, I can rule out certain places I want to go just based on the tide without even putting the boat in the water to go look at certain areas. If I look at my watch or if I look at the tide chart and it tells me I'm in a low tide and where I want to go is a high tide, then I know I've got to go look somewhere else. Um, so everything is kind of tide dependent, but, you know, just, I don't know, a lot of grass has started to move into southeastern North Carolina over the past 15, 20 years. I mean, we get... There's a lot of submerged aquatic vegetation that's now, you know, it's, it's come down the waterway from um, Carteret County. There's a lot of it Pamlico Sound, um, a lot of it Core Sound, and Boke Sound especially. But that's, you know, that grass has started to migrate down into parts of New Hanover County. You know, you see some in Figure 8 now and 
lots of Cercides covered in eelgrass. And yeah. to me, that's, you know, that's prime habitat for, for redfish. Um, and even better because, you know, those are areas that you can usually go to and you're just going to have clean water. Um, you find those grass flats along the waterway. Um, you know, people don't think of fishing the flats off the waterway, but that's a, you know, again, shooting ourselves in the foot here. But those, are, those are great places. To, yeah, you don't have to share too much. <laughs> those are great places to look for, you know, Cycasper redfish. Yeah. For sure. Um, just because, you, again, that grass breaks down the, the sediment in the water and, you know, creates that visibility visibility area that you're looking for yeah and again i'm fishing that three foot or less contour so yeah i i want to see fish i don't want to go make ten thousand casts and right so that's a part of your strategy on a daily basis if you're by yourself if you're with the client if you're fishing a tournament is that no i mean if i know where a school of fish are i'm probably gonna go to that school of fish to get them fixed for the day (laughs) no but i'm saying but i guess what i guess what i'm saying is you are trying to um you know really uh, what I'm trying to say here, I, I lost my question, but I guess you, you're looking for fish. You want to see the actual fish, so that's a part of your strategy is to actually like get eyes on the fish and not just go cast in deep water. Yeah, is that what you're see, saying? See some semblance of a fish in the water, whether it be shadows or yeah. wakes or. So, dude, let's talk about shadows, for instance, because I know when you're, and this might sound like a dumb question. Once again, this is my part of the of the show is to be like the novice idiot. So, for people watching, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're like, man, this guy's asking dumb questions because I suck at fishing, you know, and I want to learn, and that's part of uh, the the beauty of doing Eastern Current is is to learn and so. Yeah, hopefully we can all learn something. Yeah, so hopefully so. But so when we're talking about shadows. You know, sometimes you're, especially I know in bass fishing. So you said you grew up bass fishing, and and I've done a little bit of bass fishing and some fishing in the mountains, and sometimes you'll be like casting at this dark spot and you're like oh this is gonna be a fish but you know i guess i learned through my life of like and been told by people who sight fish a lot is hey you got to look for movement and you gotta look for a shadow underneath the the item that you're looking at so you know if you're see my hand here if i'm if this fish is doing this i'm looking for that shadow and and typically if it's not maybe it's a piece of wood or a rock or something because you know i mean i've I've cast at some rock before i mean i'm just gonna be honest (laughs) i I know you i know the pros haven't but i mean like what is fishy oh i've casted at plenty of uh plenty of dark (laughs) spots and stingrays and stingrays oh perfect man look at that flounder (laughs) well they look like a redfish man the color perfect yeah they can they they definitely can trick you if you don't have trained eyes see that white skin come up you think it's a belly roll oh i know oh okay so yeah all right that makes sense but uh yeah the it's it's um i I always tell people people that have my boat it's like the more fish you see in the water the more you're gonna end up seeing it's it's definitely something you train your eye to pick up on exactly it's just like anything you know just repetition you know you see you know you count money your whole life you know what money feels like in your hand without even looking at it so it's kind of same thing right Scouting after redfish. A lot of times, it's not the full fish you see either. It's like yeah. you see a little movement of the tail, right. or you see a shadow slide, and like Billy's talking about. But, but yeah, and go back to the eelgrass that you're talking about too. I feel like here I get so focused sometimes on looking against the bank, you know, because if there's not areas with eelgrass that's holding bait in areas off the bank, a lot of times the fish are going to be up near the edge, especially when you're fishing like some of the coastal rivers and the fish are really dialed in on the shrimp that are you know on the edges yeah. of the mud flats when the when the water's out of the grass, but. Um, but yeah, that's something that's real cool. And something that I really learned to do well when I went to Louisiana is, is start looking, don't just focus on, on the bank, but look out off the edges and the other areas that are going to hold fish. So, um, but yeah, that, that eelgrass is definitely showing up in a lot more places. I've been noticing it. So, man, you can't hold your mic up. I'm just getting some people saying they can barely hear you there. So just want to, you. I need a name. 
man. He, he was trying to convince us to, to hang it up there. So there we go. That's so sorry to interrupt you guys, but no, yeah, you're yeah, good. Continue on. Um, let's see what the next question is. All right. Um, so when, when did you start tournament fishing? Just real quick. I guess my first tournament red fishing was in 2012. Um, a friend of mine who I met through another mutual friend um, had bought an East Cape Vantage and man, it got me really jazzed up on shallow water sight fishing for reds. So it's not been that too long ago that I really put the hammer down on competitive red fishing um, here in North Carolina and elsewhere, but um, made maybe a year or two out of it with uh, with that guy and then um, we parted ways. He's, he got rid of his boat and um, good another good fisherman was a, was a guy at the time. Um, got rid of his boat. I teamed up with another guy here from Wilmington and then I guess in 2015 um, I teamed up with my current tournament partner and uh, we just been balls to the wall since then. It's, um, we, we fish together pretty well. Similar personalities and just kind of mesh on the water on the boat just, and, uh, and who is that does he care if you mention his name or is he like is that the secret <laughs> no i don't he, he's definitely not watching this he is, <laughs> here's enough of my smack you know, oh okay don't want to hear it tonight yeah we should have brought both of you guys on just let you go for it <laughs> yeah. no he's a great fisherman another local guide cool man uh, very cool yeah for sure for sure so i guess about seven years about seven that. years cool cool it's uh it's addicting i haven't done a ton of tournament fishing but it's definitely uh, it adds a whole new element to the whole whole game. So, um, and the other thing I was going to ask is so well, me and Jason we we've met each other a while back here in, in Wilmington, but I, I feel like we really got to know each other and started hanging out when you were down in Louisiana fishing some tournaments. That's right. There. That's yeah. when we kind of started to realize, hey, this guy's pretty cool. I like hanging out with Jason. Yeah. Um, or probably what he was thinking about me. He probably thought I was some poser or loser. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, Jason travels all over. He's, he's down in Louisiana, usually in the fall fishing some of the tournaments down there. And, um, I remember, I don't know why I just thought about this, but we were one day way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, probably an hour and 15 minutes from the boat ramp running across some random bay. No well, other boats out there at all. This is Louisiana, mind you, not here. Yeah, this Carolina. is Louisiana, this is not Louisiana. North Carolina. And oh. We see this boat just zipping across this big open bay. And uh, as we got closer, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Jason Dale <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana. We stopped and, and talked. And y'all ended up catching a bunch of big bull redfish. Yeah, there was a lot of bulls in that bay, a lot of, a lot of big jack, 20, 30-pound jack. Oh, those and, are so uh, fun. 20, 30-pound so, bulls. We needed about just, one jack on the man, white tackle. <laughs> they were just steamrolling bait in that bay. It was uh, it was pretty incredible. That's, that's awesome. A, that place is magic. It is magic. But – all right, so we're gonna jump into talking back, talking about the sight fishing aspect. So um, we talked about what are you looking for, uh, time of year. We kind of touched on that. You want to go into like different times of year, what what you're kind of focusing on, kind of the transition of fish from the ocean to the marsh and back and forth. So I should again, you don't have to share too much, just no. enough for people to learn a little bit. So <laughs> I should have prefaced when when I first come on that just what I say and do it works for me. You know, yeah, I'm not saying sure. it's the right thing. I'm not saying it's for everyone. But it's, it works for me. And, and keep uh, in mind that people are watching and listening. He just did win one of the best tournaments, one of the arguably the best tournaments in North Carolina for redfish. So I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, really, it's, uh, you know, everyone has, you know, their their style, their way of doing things. And I'm not here to say that's right or wrong. Just what I do, again, works for me. And um, uh, it, 
it's worked out well the past couple of years um, in our travels again through North Carolina, South Carolina, and so on. Um, what was your question? Uh, I don't. I don't. Oh, oh. Uh, transition. Like what the fish do different. Oh, times transition. How you, how you target them? I got off tangent. Um, so you could definitely tell in the summertime the you know fish seem to be more scattered. Yeah. Not not so much condensed into bigger, tighter schools that you see in the in the winter time. Um, so I feel like there is a difference in approach between spring, summer, fall, winter. I mean, there's definitely different patterns that fish go into that, you know, you have to kind of, you have to adjust to and, yeah. and, and move in a, a different direction. Um, you can't just go out and cover tons of ground, you know, looking for one or, well, you can, but I don't go out and target areas and just make a thousand blind casts in the wintertime because I know more than likely the fish are going to be hungered up together group. in one big, one big school in, in one area. Now they may move within that area but you know as far as seeing single fish or double fish or three or four or five fish usually what i found is that they'll be in higher concentrations in the in the winter time for sure and then in the summertime you know then you'll see the one or two three four five you know little small pods of fish so yeah I, you know the habitat i think they stay in year round but just a matter of you know finding either that mother load of fish or chasing after one, two, or three fish. Yeah, one thing I've noticed, too, I feel like in the winter, in the colder months, which is we're not in that right now, but I feel like those big groups of fish like to be in areas where they have easy access to deeper water. You know, they want to stay in that big group, and if there's somewhere that's going to shallow out real bad, a lot of times they'll – and there's, there's, there's uh, you know, some schools of fish definitely break that theory, but in a lot of the areas around here that I fish, they want to have somewhere that they can all slide in and stay together. It doesn't have to be super deep, but they just want a little bit more water so they're not all super shallow in, in, during those colder months. Um, and, yeah, in the, in the summertime, it feels like, like you're saying, they definitely break up and get in little smaller packs and whatnot. Um, what, what's your favorite time of year to fish for redfish? Uh, I like summer just because too. I'm a topwater kind of guy. Topwater kind of so, guy. Um, so you're saying you like watching the fish come up and, like, blow up your topwater? No, oh. no not really. Yeah, I figured you didn't. No, that's boring. <laughs> no, super I like boring. So, soft plastic Carolina rigs, cut bait. There you go. Cut crab. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'm lying. You what know, I, what I wish all my clients would fish. Right. <laughs> Jason just rolls out to the jetty and soaks bait all day. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah I can't say as I've ever done that maybe one or two times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like the summer too, man. It's really fun to go throw into a big school of redfish and get whacked, but something about like seeing a fish – a single fish or two fish, but really just a single fish and having to make that cast and the exact presentation that sure. the fish wants. I think it's more rewarding. Um, and I, I would say I enjoy that more. Not that that's the best way to catch them, but I like, you know, the challenge of fishing to a single fish yeah. or, or a, you know, a pair of fish. And on your end of it, you know, you're more fly driven. Mm -hmm. So that even makes it even the more rewarding, you know, when you can present a fly to a fish and have that fish take a fly versus, you know, top water plug or a soft plastic or whatever. But, um, yeah, I can, I can see how that's that would fun. Be. That's super fun. Yeah. Super rewarding. Let's see here. What's you got any questions, Billy coming in on there? Oh uh, yeah, man. We got somebody's asking you what brand is your shirt? <laughs> really? Um, it is Marshware. <laughs> yeah. Marshware it is Marshware. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I got a couple more questions here. Uh, we took care of the mic issue. 
this is a pretty funny question, man, because I hear a lot of local guys talking about this, like local fish versus, um, you know, like, I guess I hear people like, oh, these are local fish or residential fish versus like migrating fish or whatever. Uh, they're just asking, maybe, you know, maybe you don't know, like, why is that? You know, like, why are some fish local? Why are some fish Tourist, I guess maybe that's what we'll call them. <laughs> Resi- resident, 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 yeah. Resident Re- fish, pet fish, resident fish. Nobody has an answer. I will tell you why. I got an answer. answer. Oh, you do have an answer. No, no, you got it. You got it. No, you got it. Perfect. Let's see what yeah, you got. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Tell us. I mean, just again going back to our conversation when you look at our fishery, where you've got majority of bull reds spawning in Moose River, Pamlico, uh, Albemarle. You know, in the in the fall time. Um, and then we get a big push late fall and then the next spring coming down here. So, you know, most of the fish that we see that are slot size fish are two to three year fish. So anything that you see that slot here is going to be two to three years old. So the theory with at least through marine fisheries is that once those fish, um, reach a certain length that those fish tend to separate from that school that they're in the lower slot fish and they tend to move off the beach. And then that's where they become more migratory as far as moving offshore instead of moving, you know, they move in and out instead of up and down the coast. Oh, gotcha. Um, at least that's kind of what some of the science that has been relayed to me supports. Um, you know, we get, I think we get a lot of our fishery from Pamlico Sound and from the Noose River, its tributaries. Um, and it just, it, it, it moves down again as we go into fall, transition into winter. Um Granted, we have our, you know, our resident fish um, that stay here year-round, but as far as having migratory patterns, I definitely see it moving more north to south, you know, because Virginia is really about the northern extent of where red drums uh, reside, so everything is generally from North Carolina, from Pamlico South. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Let's see what other questions we have here. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm just scrolling through. Um, when, okay, so when fishing tailing reds, do y'all prefer braid with a fluoro leader, uh, pound of braid, mono in the grass? Like, what do you what do you prefer there? I usually go a little bit heavier on the uh, on the leader. Mono fluoro it doesn't really matter in the grass because there's so much to break that leader up. They're not seeing it. Um, but there's not really oysters or anything in the grass. But a lot of times you'll get. Uh, dead grass floating on top of those uh, flats during a flood tide and so that fish will take off and your line will pick up a ton of grass on the way and so having a heavier leader i think definitely helps and i'm usually going with like probably 30 pound 25 30 pound um in the grass it's not super heavy but it, it, it'll hold up to some grass getting on the line and uh yeah i I'll, everything i fish is braid for the most part braid on spinning rods and and then on fly you know it's it's different but even on, on the fly rod i don't even tie a tapered leader um, I'll usually just t- tie a straight piece of 30 um, on there with about six feet. You don't really need that long of a leader um, in the grass for the same reason. There's so much to break up your fly line and the leader that it's, it's, uh, it's not, not quite as important to have a really small diameter leader, but. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Fair enough. Jason, you have some thoughts on that as well? I exclusively braid. I use a uh, fence braid. been using it for years. Um, I use a uh, particular type, this uh, 40G that they make. It's pretty slick, real small diameter. Um, I do have some wind tamer also that I use, but it's all braid. Um, I always use leader, um, just if nothing else for peace of mind. Um, 
you know, murky water, you probably don't need leader. Being the thin diameter of the braid probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But again, to me, it's just peace of mind. You know, I have confidence in that braid. I have confidence in that leader, and you know, I just I stick with it. Yeah. Um, and I use anywhere from 12 to 20 pound um, braid and 15 to 25 pound leader. Just kind of depends on what I'm doing. But um, yeah, I'd, I hardly ever use monofilament on anything except maybe some offshore rods. Okay, cool. Good good question there. I believe that's caught up on the questions. So if you guys that are watching, tuning in with us, if you have any questions, feel free to leave them in the comments, and I will get to them as I moderate and switch and do all that other fun stuff. You're doing so, great. Yeah, man. Thanks, dude. Uh, we actually brought in a cam or a, a, a monitor here. Uh, so these guys can actually see the switch. Um, so. Hi, mom. <laughs> Dude, hey, did, Judy. You, did you send your mom the link? I know she was like wanting to watch. She said I sent so. my wife and kids the link, and I'm pretty sure they. Oh, they'll yeah, they sent it. They sent it absolutely. So my mom's probably our biggest fan. So yeah. That's all right. yeah, yeah. Dude, your mom, <laughs> your mom is a huge fan. She's a huge fan. I don't yeah. even know if my mom knows I'm doing the show or not. <laughs> I think I told her, but she's like. She didn't know what redfish are, so this is gonna have to be a thing. She's had, you know, a shout out on both shows. I think we're gonna have to bring up Judy. We're gonna have to bring her in, dude. She's (laughs) she's the show mom. I was telling her last week that she's caught some massive flounder off her dock at Topsail. Um, so maybe we should bring her on to talk about some flounder fishing. Dock flounder. Yeah, you do. You do know where it is. (laughs) Where that big boat used to be, just north of it. There's like a big blown out hole in there, and there's always a lot of fish in there. Sorry, mom. Um, all right, so that's a good segment. It can be, be ten people at your dock. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of people in there. There's also an old bulkhead that's falling in the water, and so there's a lot of structure in there. It's a good spot. That's awesome, man. But um, that, I think that's a good segue into um, we're about to talk about tackle. That was kind of the next thing we wanted to jump into, um, talking about the line and braided line, fluoro mono, all that stuff. So um, we'll just we'll start out with I think we already answered this question, but your favorite you know piece of tackle bait the fish for. Redfish, and that is probably going to be again top water <laughs> summertime, hands down. Uh, also, like throw a spoon and a spinner bait, but I don't know. I usually have at least one of everything tied on: soft plastic spoon, spinner bait, and a top water. How many how many rods do you take on your boat when you go? As many as I can fit as on. Many there. As you can fit on it. <laughs> Just because I the hate bass reti- fishing roots come. I up. hate retying. Yeah. So I mean, especially tournament fishing. You know, you break a. You break a lure off, and you don't want to retie. So you want to have a duplicate of yeah. Yeah, everything you've yeah. got on the boat, whether it be a popping cork or soft plastic or whatever. Um, it's like know. Noah's Ark on your boat. Everything <laughs> you <were> <laughs> I like it. Um, I don't know about Noah's Ark, but there's a there's one of everything on that boat for sure. One so, of it. One of everything for yeah, sure. I've but. had some had some pretty uh, pretty interesting encounters. You know, spending the night in places, you know, not being able to get back, and you know. That's yet to happen to me. I think probably just because I'm a little more responsible, but I'm just <laughs> kidding. Definitely not more responsible. But I, I've never had to spend the night, but I've definitely been stuck pretty bad before. Yeah, was, uh, we had a, learned a hard lesson in uh, Georgetown a couple of years ago. Um, had to end up camping out at a spot till about 4.30 a.m. when the tide oh, was gosh. right. Were the bugs bad? Bugs weren't too bad. It was, again, it was cold. It was oh, like gotcha. 38 degrees outside. Oh, gosh. So, I'd almost rather deal with the cold than the bugs. Pr- pretty yeah. miserable night, but we survived it. So talking about tackle, so you, you say you like to fish top water, spoons, pop and cork. What's your if you're if you've got if you see a fish? So like I don't do much 
unless it's groups of fish, I would say sight fishing with a topwater plug. Do you sight fish with a topwater plug a lot of times for just single fish or small groups? Just if I'm covering an area, if I'm out, you know, just looking looking at new water or you know, here in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, wherever it might be, if I'm looking new water and I know that the season is right for topwater, I'll just put the trolling motor on and just start burning bank and just yeah. covering yeah. as much ground as I can cover. And that's where a spinnerbait spoon and a top water are really effective because I, you can cover so much ground looking for fish using those baits. Yeah, quickly. And they've got a yeah. large presence in the water too. Right, exactly. So Yeah, that's um, huge. Yeah, again, summertime I'm, I'm casting spoons, I'm casting top water plugs. So those are probably my two go-to baits You're, in the summertime. First, all right, so if you've got one single fish like working down a bank, what's your go-to? What, what do you want to throw to that? If you could pick up any rod and throw it to it. Probably the lightest soft plastic I've got yeah. that I can reach in with. Um, yeah. Again, you know, it's a trade-off, you know, not knowing. But, I mean, really anything that you – if you can make the right presentation and not spook that fish, if you bring a top water over his back, chances are he's going to blow up and yeah. eat it. I mean, he'll roll over on himself to, to yeah. get that bait if he wants it bad enough. Definitely. But I don't know. I, again, going back to bass fishing, you know, finesse to me is important. So if I do see a fish in shallow water, I'm approaching. I've got the trolling motor running. Um, you know, if he's close to me, I want to pick up something pretty light that I can present to him without a whole lot of uh, interruption to his whatever he's doing yeah, feeding cycle. Sense. Um, so I'll throw a, you know, a shrimp pattern or some kind of small, uh, swim mullet. Yeah. Or something like for that. Sure. Now, I'd say, are you like leading in here's a question. I know when we went fly fishing, there was like a little bit of strategy to it. So say you come up on a fish or a school of fish, are you leading with that bait? Or are you like casting over them and bringing it to them? Like what's the presentation yeah, re- in that way? Yeah. I really don't like to land in the middle of a, a school of fish if there's a school present you know just i feel like bass fishing is like yeah okay i'll just yeah throw it at them yeah and still eat it i don't know that's my experience but i mean they're definitely different from a bass in that regard you know you you just run the risk of putting those fish on high alert if you you know throw a bomb in the middle of them yeah instead of just picking kind of picking fish off the the perimeter of the school uh, okay so. so you're actually like i'm gonna gear toward this fish i'm gonna target yeah. this particular fish off of that like the herd, essentially, you're going. Yeah. Pick yeah the week. less the less they can know you're there, the more fish you're going to yeah. catch out of that school. All right. And so yeah, so you pick one up, pick them off the edges, and then just keep working your yeah, way. Yeah, if it's a group. Mm-hmm. And if, the, you know, depending on which direction they're moving. So you always want to be in front of them, not cast behind them. Even though you're casting, you know, around the edge of the school, you know, you want to get it in front of their face. Okay. I always tell people, too, it's like you, you want to get it ahead of them on their path you want to look at where that fish is going but you also want to cross their path too, right say. like a lot of times you'll get somebody that lands at the fish is swimming like this you know and they already landed a little bit to the right of the fish and you're you know your first two or three bumps are, are bringing it away from the fish instead of sweeping it across their face so i think getting that you know sweep across the fish's face is definitely triggers the bite and the other big thing that i always try to tell people is like you want to, you want those fish to feel like they found whatever you're throwing to them. You don't want to feel like it's getting forced on them. So, okay. um, depending upon what kind of lead you have to do for that or how you got to cast it, but usually you get a much better chance of getting bit if if they feel like, oh, I just found this shrimp on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Here comes this this mullet on the surface. So, and you probably see that and are more in tune with that than majority of other fishermen, just because again you're presenting a fly to those fish instead of a quarter ounce weight or right, a, right. a spoon or. It's crazy how a little tiny fly, you know, coming at them can spook them. Even if it's a nice soft presentation, it's right. like they're so unused to a shrimp swimming at their face. They want to 
you you, you want to have some sort of retreat to it or just directly across their path but some fish will eat it coming at them but but a lot of times i see fish spook from it i feel like cool yeah man good answer thank you thanks for sharing <laughs> that i know that's like maybe a weird question but you know i always i'm curious as to like okay what how do i how do I present? Because I'm like I said, I'm used to fly fishing. Not that good of a fly fisherman, just get lucky sometimes. So I feel like in bass, you know, I feel like I could hit a bass and he'd still like bite it. I don't sure. know. Yeah. So. I mean, that's why you got to see right on top of bass, jigging straight up and down. Yeah. You yeah. Exactly. Do with <laughs> yeah. So with the redfish, it's like you know they Unless might be aggressive. Twenty five foot of water. So they like to be aggressive, but they don't like you to be aggressive. Makes sense. Right. All right. Cool. Um. All right. So we'll jump into like rods and reels. So Jason or Jason actually builds, I was about to say builds reels, but you don't build reels. That'd be a little more uh, difficult to do than, than uh, maybe not difficult, but a little more and uh, maybe you needed some more machinery. But yeah, so let's talk about, you know, your rod and reel setups. What do you like to fish? And um, are you fishing like one standard, you know, weight rod for every bait or you like to change it up? Tell, tell us about that. Man, I have learned so much about fishing rods since I started building fishing rods. It's like there's so much information that was lost to me or maybe I just didn't pick up on when I was fishing before I started really being hands-on with rods and making rods. Um, and that's the still, still rod – oh, wait, hold on. Still water. Still, still water. water rods, yeah, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, I see it right on your – I see it right on your hat, and I'm like looking at the paper, like misreading it, but I see it right there on your hat. So, no. yeah, I have been building rods that long. I mean, maybe I don't know, four or five years. And uh, another, you know, one of my prior tournament partners, he kind of turned me on to it, and uh, I never envisioned that it would, you know, turn out quite like it's turned out. I, I initially started building just for me, just to have, you know, fun, and then. You know, kind of one thing led to another, and with the artistic component coming into it, it was like, you know, now I'm not even, not only creating fishing rods, but, you know, incorporating artwork into it, and it was like almost too much for me at the time. <laughs> um, His rods are like pieces of art. I mean, but I, cool. I, I really enjoy it, um, and, I, you know, I, I got teamed up with the, with a, a company called American Tackle, and I get a lot of my product from them. Um, probably 80% of my product comes from them and I've, you know, I've, I've got a good relationship with the guys there. Um, I trust their product. I have a lot of faith in it. That's all I use hardly anymore. Okay. Um, I've got a few older rods that I use, but, um, the blanks I get come from them. High quality blanks are all high modulus graphite. Um, even some, what they call nano fiend blanks, which I've, I've started to build. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's a, 610 to 76 ride depending on what I'm throwing um, you know again going back to discovering what rod is intended for what lure has kind of just opened all kinds of doors for me so yeah now I have lures what I feel like based on conversations with you know other rod builders who have 40 years of experience that you know, I'm putting the right lure on the right rod to maximize the efficiency of the rod and the lure. Um, yeah. So, I, t- to me, that's, I mean, that was just, that that was pretty phenomenal making that discovery. I mean, some some kids 20 years old probably know it, but it just took me a while. Yeah, it took it. So, hey, I mean, so my father-in-law is watching. He, he takes old fishing rods and fly rods, and he, he loves to rebuild them and, and you know, 
I mean, all that stuff that you know that I have no idea. You guys could probably talk for hours about it. So if I don't show one of these rods on here, he's going to punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah, we need so, to show some. So let's, probably let's more show. He, he so brought six of these. I did. I brought six rods in, and I, I've got a lure tied on each one that kind of matches what that rod blank was in, intended, intended for. I'm just going to start handing you a couple yeah. here. So yeah, this, so this let, is me, a, let me bring on just a big camera, a wide camera here. So let's – Let's talk about and this. That's on my phone right there. So if you you know want to show up a close up shot or whatever, feel free to. Yeah, just hold it up. At the just phone. hold it up there. So this is a uh, this is a seven six Bushido blank. Um, again, American tackle product. Um, seven six medium. Uh, it's like eight to fifteen pound test, but I can launch this top water with this rod. Um, I create short butts on my rod just because I don't like I don't like long handles on them. Yeah. So most all the you know, for something that you're working and you're casting 500 to a thousand times a day, you know, you want something that's going to be easy on your arm. Um, you know, with top water, most all the actions in your wrist anyway. So you don't want something that's going to be either, um, butt heavy or tip heavy. So that's why I like the shorter, butt. um, this is probably my go-to top water rod. I could throw this all day long without any fatigue really. And I'm talking about going from like 5:30 AM to, Seven o'clock PM. Um, it's crazy how light those rods are. Yeah. Tell them about the the handles and how you build those. Those are just too cool. Um, so all this is custom paint job. Um, these are you know made from scratch. It comes as a polyurethane foam that I mill down. I put on an actual lathe and turn it to whatever. That's awesome. Um, whatever shape I want it, and if I'm gonna paint it, you know it's a anywhere from a fiberglass sleeve to a carbon fiber sleeve. And, you know, if I want to put a certain pattern on it, I'll paint it. Uh, this one's painted. I think I've got one over there, Judson, that's got a – it might just be the um, the carbon fiber sleeve, yep. the gray and black one. So this is kind of – you know, this is one I, I made when I first started, um, and it's just got a, you know, the, the weave to it. Hey, um, can you hold that up just a little higher? Yeah, there we go. Non yeah, yeah, Non-slick finish on it. Um this American tackle real seat, um, again, a six ten rod. I've got this little, this little gizmo on it. My friend in um, Hampstead makes these. Guy named Rob McElroy makes these um, little bugs, and these are pretty deadly for um, for drum and for flounder. Um, so for drum, I usually cut them down a little bit, put a little trailer on it. Kind of looks like a little crab pattern. Yeah. Um, so kind of when the fish are spooky, he makes these in an eighth and a quarter ounce head. Got a little rattle on it. Yeah. So got a little Super rattle subtle. On it. Got yeah. a little rattle on it. <laughs> so um, do you feel like you can feel way more with those? Hard, oh, absolutely. Uh, as opposed to cork. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this one I can feel it dragging the bottom. I mean, again, that's same thing with that popping cork rod beside you. Uh, that's a real. That's a moderate moderate action rod um god it's crazy how light those rods are this one yeah, those are beautiful i'm gonna have to be ordering some <laughs> custom paint job yeah again. that's beautiful popping court rod a lot of action um in the tip of this rod um is that like a hand painted are you like hand painting that with like a paintbrush are you yeah, dipping it? yeah it's, all, it's all painted it's yeah, that's um, amazing you know just multi-layers of paint and then it's I mean, it's a pretty intricate process. It, it's not something a labor I can of do love. It. Yeah, for everybody viewing, not something I, mean, I can do overnight. Yeah, for everybody viewing, I know you probably can't even see the the detail in that, but man, just a beautiful work. 
that's that's awesome. Now, do your rods detail. and reels and line do they all have to match? Does that bug you if they don't? Your, your, the colors don't go together. No, not at all. Good. good. I'm, not, I'm not OCD <laughs> like that. Um, what else you got I, over there? I don't know what else I brought. I brought. I did bring a matrix blank, the one with the blue wrapping on it. Yeah, that's probably my favorite rod that, yeah, I've, that I've made sweet. to date. Look at Just, that handle too. Yeah, I yeah, kind of went crazy sweet. with this. Like, <laughs> I, I built that um, handle for for someone else. There oh yeah, is. that's it's cool. Got a little redfish pattern on it. Um, but oh. I built built this for someone else, and I ended up having to make them another one, um, just because I like this one so much. <laughs> this is a matrix blank though. This is a, a popping court blank, but I've put a soft plastic on it just because of the action of the rod. Uh huh. Um, probably my favorite rod that I've built to date, as far as you know, the length of the handle, the grips. Um, and just the action, these guy, I can't say enough good things about these blanks. Um, a little bit more expensive to buy the matrix blanks, but um, as opposed to you know like the standard graphite. But all in all, man, I've been I've been very pleased with uh, American Tackles products. Oh, cool, man! And there's a couple more there. You want to show you know, tell a little bit more about those, or I mean, I don't have is to. it We've kind of kind of got through the basics there? Covered a lot of it. Again, just just going back to the you know, there's a reason that. That's a pretty one. Rod, rods say they're... Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. You know, there's a reason there's a line waiting on it and also a lure rating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of manufacturers now have even gone more defined and, you know, making making rods for, for jigging rods or spin jigs, spinning baits for, you know, popping cork. So, you know, 20 years ago, I don't feel like they really had that technology to do that. But now, you know, as more and more feedback comes in these companies, you know, they they can tell what rod is being used for for that particular yeah, purpose yeah that application so yeah Let's pretty cool stuff super cool stuff man i'm gonna have to honestly i'm gonna be ordering some rods from you i'm running low i've got a you lot of got broken a, rods just got an order right man now. so where can people go to to look to look at those rods you have a website a i Facebook? don't have a website again if, i mean this thing started off so small i was just going to do it for myself so i never really got to the point where i created a website for it so everything's just kind of run through the social media platform yeah Cool. Um, and I just got some hats made, some T-shirts on the way. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to run it as a sweatshop, and I don't want it as a full-time job. But um, I mean, it's yeah, something, I'm enjoying something it fun now. and something yeah. you can enjoy. Rainy exactly. day hobby, and let exactly. hobby. Else enjoy. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's I don't really awesome. say it's a hobby because you know, just, you know when you feel like you got to go out there every night just to kind of fulfill orders, it's not really a hobby anymore. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> It started out as a hobby. I still get to throw a couple of you know, personal bills in from, from now and again. So yeah. That's, kinda, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. And so reels. Let's talk about reels. I guess we just put all those up. Yeah, we did. Uh, anything from like a 2,500 to uh, I really don't even use a 4,000. I mean, most of everything I use 2,500, 3,000 series reel Yeah. Uh, on inshore stuff. If I was out fishing, you know, Louisiana, I might throw something a little bit bigger. Yeah, um, but for uh, for what we do here in North Carolina, I feel like this yeah, is probably sufficient. For sure, I, I'd say I think most of my reels are probably in that three thousand, yeah. twenty five hundred range as well. Yeah. Got some four thousands that make their way on the boat sometimes, just due to uh, grabbing the wrong rods or breaking rods. I, I think I have about nine broken rods in my garage right now that I've got to get fixed. <laughs> so I'm getting low on my stock. I'm gonna have to order some rods from you. But um, all right, let's jump into the next question. We, I guess we already kind of talked about casting and presentation. Um, 
knowing how to move the bait, when to move the bait, letting the fish feel like they found the bait. Um, tackle box breakdown. Yeah, tackle box breakdown. Do you have any any uh, any? You brought a bunch of tackle. You got anything you want to show share? I, did, I know we've uh, talked about top waters and all that, but so my boat's in the shop right now, and I had a friend pick me up at the dock uh, this past weekend to go fishing. And I kind of just threw this little bag in this boat, and uh, just a hodgepodge of soft plastics, a um, couple of spoons, a couple of top waters, a um, couple of little creature type baits. Um, Procure bait scent. Use that stuff religiously. Um, mostly just jig heads, spoons, um, swim baits. Throw a lot of swim baits. A lot of swim baits. So I know a lot of guys at Redfish, and I always go, man, what's your like go-to color for a spoon? And everybody's like, always oh, a gold spoon. Do you find that same success? I know, weird question, but I just have... <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, gold, bronze. Um, Johnson makes... Um, a couple of different spoons in a, like a mullet pattern um, and like almost like an 808 color, which is orange, black, and gold. Um, but they make a couple of spoons with that mullet pattern on that spoon. I, I find those to be pretty effective. Um, you know, I started off, you know, back when I was doing offshore trips, just pulling for King Mackerel. I had a commercial license and was commercial King Mackerel fishing, and I was pulling nothing but silver spoons and that's kind of how the how the name came to be um but as far as inshore for reds it probably have to be a gold spoon or yeah kind of depends on the water clarity too and water conditions okay so 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 clear water what are you you using darker baits in clear water and lighter baits in dark water or or vice versa versa? vice versa yeah so i guess it is same as i always go back to bass fishing because i'm like all right dark water dark baits exactly same thing all right that's awesome man so I think we've covered quite a bit of ground here. I know we've kind of moved, you know, quite, I'm going to go on this multi-cam here. I know we've moved around quite a bit. We've talked about baits. We've talked about reels. We've talked about um, just different approaches, you know, being silent, cutting off your trolling motor, like getting into schools, picking them off the edges. Uh, if anybody's watching and you have, I think the comments on this thing are still working. Haven't seen any comments in a minute. Uh, but if you have any questions, now's the time to ask. Uh, we're getting right, getting right there at about an hour for the broadcast so far. And I want to just talk a little bit about your business. I, I love business, entrepreneur myself. Um, so we talked a little bit about your, um, your rod company, Stillwater Rod. So if people want to connect with you, just connect with you on Facebook. So at Jason Dale, is that correct? Absolutely. All right, um, cool. Instagram is at Captain J. Dale. Captain um, J. Dale on Instagram. And then, you know, just through email um silver spoon charters at gmail or stillwater rods at gmail um yeah any 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 way to All right. contact me so if they, and if they want to book a trip with you said your boats in in the but do you have a boat right now if you somebody wants to book hopefully a trip jason with you? green at greens marine is going to do me right and ha- <laughs> have her released on friday have her so ready on friday I cool hopefully she has a clean bill of health on friday and, and that's a silver spoon charters correct and so you i mean so what kind of fishing do you do like i mean obviously inshore yeah red that's drum, it shallow water shallow you know, water inshore specializing in light tackle shallow water fishing for you know our inshore species yeah that's awesome and, do, and so when, if a client, if I get, get on your boat, do I get to fish with one of your rods? Or you gonna, Absolutely. I'm perfect. That, that was as my next as long as I know you're not a novice and you can actually cast, yeah. I'll oh, put one man, in I guess hand. I'll bring my Walmart rod then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, man, I really appreciate you having you know having you on the show. If there's anybody watching, that has some more questions, uh, Justin. If you can think of some more questions, I know last week we went to like that hour and a half mark. Uh, and while you're thinking about those, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors that made this show possible. Once again, we're going to be giving away um, Afco some Afco stickers. Actually, this is going to be a whole package. So we got some Judd Brock stickers, Afco stickers. We got koozie. We got hat we got shirts we got a little bit of everything that we're going to give this whole package away um here yes and marshware man we got a little bit of everything so we're going to be giving that package away um if you right now like i said if you have any questions you're talking about redfish uh sight casting any of those things if i missed it uh, hopefully the comments are working i have like i said i haven't seen any in a little bit so that's kind of different but um hopefully they are if not maybe uh jason if you don't care after the broadcast on your downtime when you're not building rods and taking people fishing he might get on there and answer some questions for you sure if we miss comments sure, I, can you can too. you look at the broadcast and see on your phone let me check i was gonna bring up one other thing talking about boats a little bit um and yeah. boat layout yeah like jason was saying earlier we both fish um while i'm pulling this up i'll talk about it um but shallow shallow water style boats um did you get the broadcast up any questions yes yeah, so if you guys see any comments the last comment i see was from travis Overman, he just said it's been a slow summer so far for redfish. Oh, thanks, Will Walker. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, so bay boats versus skiffs. So me and Jason, you know, we're in, we're in shallower skiffs and targeting that shallower water. A lot of guys have bay boats, and they're fishing a little bit deeper water. Just because we're fishing in a foot to three feet of water doesn't mean there's not, you know, fish that oh, you can catch with the same techniques in deeper water. So, Fair. Um, you know, and, and a lot of guys are getting out there on kayaks and paddle boards and stuff now, which is super cool. And allows you to almost get in a whole nother section of yeah. shallower water. And especially in the summertime, I feel like we see the fish go, yeah. go a good bit shallower. That's my next purchase is one of those little jet drive kayak boats. Oh, the little solo skiff yeah. things. Not the solo skiffs. The, the one that you sit in that's got the joystick. There's oh, oh the like jet the drive with the jet drive. In <laughs> yeah, it's pretty those neat. things are awesome. I was talking to Luke Donay this morning and he was talking, he's got a little GNU like yeah. project boat. And he was saying he wanted to build a little jet boat out of it. So Dude, speaking of Luke Donay, man, did you guys see that triple tail he got? Yeah, that was a monster. Yeah, it was a big trip. Just shy of 13 pounds, I think he said. And yeah. No way. Was it that big? Yeah, Dude, it was Boga big. grips suck. I was... Boga grips. <laughs> I feel like I, I, mine, mine's always off. So it could have been, who knows, 20 pounds. But he was telling me that the state record back in the 80s is 27 pounds, I think, Ooh. in North Carolina. Yeah, man. Um, Crazy. Which is a monster. So um, y'all, did y'all talk? We talked about trolling motors and polling and all that. No, I don't use a trolling motor. You don't use a trolling motor? Overrated. <laughs> No I feel like motor, I can maneuver a boat better with a push pole and I get it on a trolling motor and I'm just all over the place. But <laughs> do you, so I've heard the controversy about trolling motors. Like, do you, if you're getting up on fish, do you slow your trolling motor down or cut it off or do you try to keep it at the same frequency? Oh man, that's a loaded question. Um, I feel like all, almost if you turn it off, then that, that they feel wave, that change. When, yeah, that wave and vibration in the water that that's radiating to them that they've within the past five seconds have come to kind of adjust to when that gets stopped or interrupted, like they I yeah. feel like more often than not they sense that and then it's like game over. It's almost like it eases in, you know, from yeah, a distance and exactly. it doesn't bother them, but then that just abrupt stop, exactly. even though it goes to no noise, kills them. Exactly. Yeah. So. For sure, I've seen too with like a push pole, you'll have fish. 40 feet away and you nick an oyster shell and they're right 
spook, you know, and those are usually heavier pressured fish, but we've got a lot of pressured fish around here. And so being sneaky is definitely that's, important. That's all we've got is pressure. Yeah. Fish <laughs> you feel like you've got a spot uh, that's that nobody else knows about. And then you roll around the corner and Jason Dale's. Oh around. man. <laughs> Jason knows <laughs> about all of them. We don't have to compete with one another. You know, it's, it's the, the, the fish are aware of our presence. Definitely. Definitely. No, it's great that everybody's getting out there and it's just part of it. It makes you better. Na- better yeah, that's angler, right. For sure. That's right. I mean, so man, once again, we talked a lot about boat fishing. What about the guys who don't have a boat? What, do you guys do any surf fishing? Do you do any surf fishing, Jason, where you're just like – From all, a boat? Know, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. from a boat. <laughs> I get yeah. on the other side of the break. No, I really don't surf fish very much. Um, I know there's fish in the surf, but I don't, yeah. you know, I, I'm not getting out of the boat to go target fish sure. from land. Um, there's a lot to be done, though, in that, of, of surf fish around here, yeah, especially I mean, in the fall. Art, like yeah, when, there's an art to that as well. I mean, it's I mean, like you just go out there and cast – cast a rod i mean it's they're based on the tide again you know you got those near shore little um there's near shore drops and cuts along okay. the ocean front yeah. that you can't see it high tide and at low tide you know those fish may move from that cut up to that sandbar or vice versa so um just like we know our inshore game those surf fishermen they know their game as well yeah, yeah. so, so what you say just go out there and just do it right just go yeah out go out there fish. and do it and like jason sand looking for those like areas that might be on like a negative low a tide pool like a deeper little slough or looking for those rips where if you've got a slough and then you've got a break in the sandbar like the second bar to where that water's drawing through there fish can come in and out um, just looking for those deeper areas with with uh, kind of a, a secondary current off the beach can be a lot of times where those fish are they want to you know have deeper water to, to sit in and not be right up in the surf zone but sometimes you'll see them shallow like up yeah. on the beach but yeah. Um, and, and there, there's fish out on the surf all summer to be caught. And I feel like it definitely gets good in the fall though, when those fish start making the transition from the marsh. Oh, they're rowdy out there right now too. <laughs> they're rowdy out there right now. Yeah. They're, they're hungry. I just, uh, again, yeah, I have no reason to go. I mean, I have no reason to go park the boat on the beach and walk over and go fish. I'd rather be back, you know, trudging through the marsh, yeah. you know, trolling yeah. motor on low, just. You know, now do you ever just stop You don't the love boat? foot fishing. Yeah. Huh? Foot fishing. Is no foot fishing. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you guys ever stop the boat in the marsh, get out, and go wade around? Oh, yeah. I've done, uh, okay. I do that. So do a little fair fair amount yeah. of that. All yeah. right. Getting little tougher spots or whatnot. So. Yeah, you got to be careful not to get in that pluff mud, though, with the oysters. Yeah. <laughs> on Dude, the I, sand, it's great, but in, in the mud, it can be absolutely terrible. Yeah, over the wintertime, I went to, with um, uh, Daniel Fisher. You know uh-huh. Daniel Fisher? Yeah. And so he's like, hey, man, I want to go. Let's go see if we can find some early year flounder, whatever you call them, like residential flounder. That's what we were going after. To, to go giggle. Resi flounders. Resi flounds. <laughs> Resi fatties. And, and man, we went out there, dude, and I got sunk up to the hips. You know, and he's a light dude. He's, like, he's like really light compared to me. Just like, prancing along. He's just like, across the mud. I'm like, dude, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm going to die. The tide's going to come up. I'm going to die. It's like suction cups sometimes that'll hold you in there. Dude, it was terrible. I was like, man, I'm going to have to just, like, leave all my boots and everything in the mud because yeah. i gotta get out of here i just gotta survive i was like in survival mode yeah, so more definitely than, more than a couple of pair of shoes and boots in the marsh because yeah. i couldn't get out yeah flip-flops are not a good thing no, to wait in no not at all <laughs> yeah somebody needs to invent like some sh- like you know like uh oh they those, got them those snowshoes oh they have oh them. you mean like a larger footprint to yeah, walk across the mud <laughs> yeah. i haven't seen that but snowshoes might work they might work it might be my next business there venture some mud I, shoes i like it i've got I like one to add to it so my million dollar idea came to me this afternoon. All right, if you guys are watching and you have any million dollar ideas, just leave them right here in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I'll let for you know sure. what I think about them. We'll get them started up for you and let you know how they're going. <laughs> 
Well, man, that's it's been fun. I've enjoyed. I'm, I don't know any other. I'm still looking for questions, man. I love when people interact uh, and do some questions um, if they have any. You know, as far as the broadcast, as far as comments or whatever. Uh, so, anything else you guys want to cover? Any last? I mean, there was some comments that came in. I'm not sure if you saw them. Um, uh, Aaron Weinberg said, "Anything you look for in particular when exploring new water? Fish, redfish." <laughs> um, so you're looking for tails. You're just looking for big shadows, like when you're, you know, I guess like. I think I yeah, think yeah. he's probably talking about like, in, not necessarily like structure fish, wise. Yeah, yeah, structure yeah. and maybe like sure. Like you're saying the eel grass. I mean, and, every time I go in new water, I feel like I'm looking for a needle in a haystack. To right. be honest with you, I mean that's what it feels like. It, you, who knows? Just you know, again, put the trolling motor down, cover as much ground as you can. Um, so it's work, man. You know, I think I think a lot of times we want to watch a video like this or watch a YouTube, uh, you know, video and be like, oh, okay, well, that's all I have to do. I got to go out there. But really, it is like you're saying, it's work. It's yeah, it's work. Boat, go out, explore, yeah. enjoy the the environment, enjoy the culture, and you know, go go hunt, go hunt, and then fish when yeah, you find essentially them. Essentially, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Things I like to see though, like for, I'd say oysters. Yeah. Eelgrass. Um, habitat habitat and, and one thing i found um especially up around this way is i feel like on a mid to high tide those fish like dead ends they like shallower dead ends or they can get up into um and this isn't always like big schools of fish but a lot of the fish i fish are in, in shallower dead ends where they can kind of back up there might be like some flooded grass on like a normal high tide where they can kind of sit in the edge of that flooded grass at a at a high tide and not be out in the deeper water where they can be you know harassed by predators and whatnot shallow dead ends oysters i like little edges of flooded grass on the normal high tide um eel grass like jason was talking about yeah i mean everything is so i feel like just again for me speaking from personal experience i feel like everything is just so tied in together with the water temperature and structure and current and you know what time of year it is i, I just anyone who's you know, looking to get into, you know, fishing heavy, um, you know, teenagers, young, you know, any any youth, um, just start documenting what you see, when you see it, where you see it, um, you know, what the conditions are. I mean, I, t I took a journal for years when I started fishing, and all that started off offshore, um, and then kind of just uh, transferred over when I when I begin to inshore fish a little bit more heavily. Um, and it doesn't take but a couple of cycles of seeing that happen where you're putting those pieces of the puzzle together that, you know, you pick up on that. And that's the kind of thing where you can go back, like you said, year after year after year after year after year. And, you know, ex expect to get some results out of those particular areas. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I would say, too, I started keeping a journal not long ago. And it, I, I was blown away at, at the information that I had, you know, forgotten that, that I thought I would remember, you know, I'll go into a spot and fish it and be like, oh, crap, I forgot there was – I've caught fish right in this little zone before, and I, I, haven't, I haven't been back in here in a year and a half, you know. And so a journal is definitely definitely important. Barometric pressure is big to kind of kind of look at when, when you have fish activity. And if you see fish, you're not able to get them to eat, look at the barometric pressure. Look at where the wind's coming from. Look at the – you know, is it a high-pressure day? And, and, and keep all that, you know, keep the good notes as well as the bad notes and, and uh, be able to look back at it. That's but, right. Um, someone else said, uh, thinking about getting a fish tattoo. Do you, are you not seeing this Billy? 
I'm not seeing it, man. I'm not seeing it. I guess my software is... Um, So thinking about getting a fish tattoo. Judson, he wants to see your biggest and best fish tattoo. And have your tattoos help you land more fish. (laughs) Good, great question. question. (laughs) Who asked that? Uh, Max Stevens. Uh, Thank you, Max. Yes, I would say as soon as I started getting fish tattoos, I I started catching more fish. Actually, I didn't even catch a fish until I got my first fish tattoo. But oh, yeah. I think my best uh, fish tattoo is this uh, rainbow snook right here. You can only catch these in um, Madagascar. So, rainbow snook. But, yeah, Glenn um, at Glenn's Tattoo here in Wilmington did that. He's a big fisherman as well, loves to fly fish. Really cool dude. Yeah, if my- you want a fish tattoo, he's your guy. Glenn? <laughs> yeah, Glenn's your guy. Glenn. Glenn. That's awesome, man. You, Wait, you where's he at? Tattoo? You've got tattoos. Do you have a fish one? Um, I got a shark tattoo. Not necessarily fish related, but that's kind of my tattoo artist kind of had envisioned for me at the time. And I like it. He skipped town on me. It was supposed to be a whole sleeve. <laughs> and uh, he skipped town on me and moved back to his hometown in New York and opened up his own tattoo parlor. He was all self-conscious on my tattoos. <laughs> he, was, he was way beyond his, you know, his abilities. He's a phenomenal tattoo artist. That's awesome. Um, Josh Payne, he won uh, Ink Master two years ago, I think. Really? Yeah, that's Masters. cool. Yeah. You got he, he tattooed you here in town? Yeah, when he used to work for um, Art Fuel. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Oh, no. oh yeah, man. I've heard a lot of good things ago. about Art Fuel. Yeah. Dude, we're just revving. We're just putting everybody out there tonight. Good Graces good, and Glens is, is where you want to go for tattoos. Good Graces and Glens. Is it called? What is it called? Glenn? Good Graces. Oh, Luke Worley, big fisherman as well. And then uh, Glens Tattoo. Another big fisherman. Mac, we've got a lot of tattoo artists that love to fish here in town. So. Max said, thank you for showing your tattoo. Yeah, for sure. I've got another fish tattoo, but I can't show you that one. So, um, Luke Tippett <laughs> says, uh, Judson, what is the key to being consistent fishing competitively? To me? <laughs> I think it's just all about having fun, man. <laughs> being on the boat with someone you love and just having a good time. Wait, were you shocked by that question? I don't. I, I don't really competitive fish. I'm just joking. He was directing it at me. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you seem so shocked. I'm like, okay, there's a backstory here, and I'm gonna dig it out. Let's hear it. What's the key? I'd luck, man. I mean, God, you can't. I mean, I don't know. You no just, fun involved. That was a lot of fun involved. A lot of, fun involved. A lot, a lot of stress involved too. A lot, of, a lot of omeprazole and a lot of Zantac and Rolaids and. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Could, key to consistency i guess just i don't know just doing your homework you know going to areas that you feel like again you know we, we found certain areas away from north carolina that proved to be more productive than others and you know it's, it's finding that productive water not not dead water but you again find those things that i look for here at home and far away places and then you know go there you realize there's fish there and you Put a visual on them and leave them alone. Yeah, and yeah. then come back to them on tournament day. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, when you're fishing a tournament, you know, you don't need however many fish the bag limit set at. I mean, right, it's, it's not catch as many as you can catch during a tournament. It's just catch two nice right fish as you can. So if you can leave those fish alone and you know hope that they're there on tournament day, that's key to success, I guess. One just having a horseshoe up your but <laughs> you got, I need to get that horseshoe from you. I like that edited version. The horseshoe of your butt. But, um, one question I wanted to ask you uh, is how quickly when you're, when you're going to new water and you're working through it and fishing, 
how quickly uh, do you like to work through an area? Like, are you, are you going to sit there and pick it apart for a long time? Are you looking for that aggressive fish? No. And then that's going to slow you down and start looking at the zone a little more. Not really. I mean, we've gone to areas in some tournaments where we've sat for eight hours in one spot, never moved the trolling motor, yeah. or never picked up the power pole. So just knowing that those fish were going to come by us at some point in the tide cycle, you know, instead of going to look for them, putting them on the edge, you know they're going to end up coming right. to you. So, you know, just sit and wait it out. And, I mean, we've had days where we've done that and caught 30, 40 fish. Yeah. Um, just sitting and waiting on them. But most of the time, I mean, we're pretty aggressive yeah. in our approach, um, especially tournament fishing because, I mean, every minute counts. Definitely. And you want to be, you know, that's happened to us last tournament. We got, I got pretty impatient um, in one of the areas we went to, and um, we picked up and went to two other places. And um, j it just, you know, that scramble mode is – that's not something, it's not, not something. a place I like to be. Yeah. I mean, that's where all the anxiety is derived from. So, you know, we ultimately bagged it and went back to one area where we had we had found fish the, the week prior and uh, sat there and waited for the tide to get right. Yeah. And we got, got lucky. <laughs> that's awesome. Pulled two fish out of there. Well, tell me this. Do you have to have a boat that goes as fast as yours to catch redfish? Oh, yeah. I need you one do. faster. <laughs> you need one faster. Yeah, catch more fish the faster you go. What's the top speed that you've hit on, <laughs> on your boat? Uh, when I first got it, it was 75, 76-ish. Golly. Haven't you killed seagulls with your rods? Didn't you tell me that? Yeah, we have. We've He's taken, got rods taken that are out sticking a few straight up on the, uh, on the front of his boat and, and he's taking out some seagulls. Which yeah, is unfortunately, yes. I mean, that's not anything I want to brag about, but that's... <laughs> well, it just shows how fast the boat is. Yeah, they have no, no clue. that has happened before. He's not chasing seagulls down. They just are, yeah. happen to fly by. Um, we had a little... I think we had a little bit of interruption there in our signal, but we're back now. So, no... We're I, back. Don't, I don't know if they got the, the seagull... Yeah, we'll leave the seagull part out. Yeah. We just, we just uh, left that you one out, so... negative PETA comments on here? <laughs> no, man. Bring him on. I'm ready. No. All right, man. That's awesome. Let's see. What else have we got? Um, Dude, thank you for reading those comments. I'm going to have to call and yell at my software provider. I think your mom, your mom wants to know something about the moon tide, Justin. Judson. About the, the flood tide? Yeah, the mood tide. Um, Question mark. Moon tide. Well, the tides are, uh, you know, are related to the moon cycle. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I'm in third grade. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can't share that on here, Mom. You know that. <laughs> This is a top. This is top secret. This is top secret information. I will. Uh, I'll have to tell you that in person. We can go to uh, dinner next week. Does that sound good? Just uh, leave a comment in the comment Just section. Leave a comment. <laughs> Come, on. mom. We're gonna go to dinner next week. Just leave a comment, please. Oh my goodness, man. Oh. So, any other questions on there that you see, Jason? I once again appreciate you moderating the comments. No, we're gonna have to uh, bring Jason on full time. I know, Luke, man. Um, what are you doing? I can moderate from outside the window as but, we've as we've talked yeah. about. <laughs> I like that full costume get a little knock on the window and open it up and see he's there yeah and he's just moderating our facebook comments out there so cool man well i think we've you know had a pretty awesome show like it's it's been fun to to learn more about like red fishing and sight fishing and i'm just gonna keep adjusting this here i'm gonna follow Sorry. you around no no worries you're good man um so is there any last thoughts that you guys can encourage people with as far as you know getting out there and, and red fishing either sight fishing or you know anything like what's your closing arguments for Red fishing. Closing I guess that's arguments. Closing arguments. You go first. Take up golf. Take up golf. <laughs> Take up golf. I would just say don't get discouraged. I have, I mean, I fish every day almost, and there's a lot of days I'm very frustrated. I don't catch fish every day, and 
it's uh it's definitely it's a tough fishery in north carolina um it's it, it's it seems to be a little bit on a on a downward cycle as far as the amount of fish i'm seeing and that could just be my skill level which it probably is or it could be you know there's there's less fish here but just get out there and work hard and, and try new areas and just because something worked one day doesn't mean you know it's going to work the next day and allow allow you know instead of being frustrated about it get out there and allow it to push you to become a better angler would be kind of my spiel i guess so absolutely good good comment good good response you know again don't get discouraged you know i've had days where i've spent days and days and days on the water without you know just little to show for it a couple of bites here and there um you know looking in a new area i you know a lot of times i i hit zero looking new areas yeah. um so you know it's nothing i mean it could get under your skin going and spend a whole day you know 10 hours looking in an area where you've you know you, you suspect fish to be and there's nothing there and you know come home with a with a big goose egg but well, right back at it the next day yeah I mean, so i think that's why you know what makes us who we are is because we're so passionate about it you know yeah and, it's like a sickness yeah <laughs> and, and you know a big thing for me too is honoring the fish you know mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's so much to say about these live uh way tournaments you know that especially with the on the redfish series yeah um yeah just to me that's a big thing you know making sure that fish is released alive and healthy and you know that may be the next 50 pounder that's in the noose that's you know spawning putting out a you know a million row so you yeah just, you never know um but i try not to keep any more than i can eat you know i'm not greedy when it comes to you know killing fish my yeah i, I do a lot of catching and releasing yeah i know you do too yeah me as well um so again if it you know if if, if it weren't for my clients bringing fish home, just about every trip that I take would be catch and release. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, that's just me. That's who I am trying to create sustainability to our resources. Um, same thing with, you know, oysters or shrimp or whatever, you know, I don't need to bring home a 65 quart cooler full of shrimp. You know, I don't right, want shrimp right. in the freezer for two years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I might give it to some friends, but you know, that's, I don't know. That's just not me. My, you know, my parents raised me not take take any more than I can eat on, you know, yeah. one meal or eating one sitting. So I'm just. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair, man. Take care of the resource. It'll take care of you. That's right. So that's good. Awesome, guys. Well, I mean, great show. Um, once again, thank you so much for, Thanks for having being me. on. Yeah. And um, you guys can check him out. It's uh, it's Stillwater Rods. You can you can check out his rod company. And then also um, Silver Spoon Charters. So if you want to go on a charter trip. And then also Judson Brock sitting right here in front of me, uh, co-host. Thanks thanks again, man. Just awesome to be in your house. Always a cool, cool spot to be. Uh, and Judson is a huge sponsor of the show. So Eastern um gosh help me out here dude i'm going too many easterns eastern angling too many easterns thanks a lot man eastern angling i just, just botched just your kidding. your thing there awesome, and muddy man. fly so, guide service i'm kind of transitioning from muddy fly to eastern angling so okay so you're trans okay so you're in a little transition phase cool man yeah absolutely and then all as always if you guys need t-shirts or hats or hoodies i'm your guy just hit me up um man if you guys don't have anything else, I guess we'll we'll call it a day and um, gotta do our giveaway. And we're, oh, we're gonna do our giveaway. Yeah, man, I almost forgot. Let's see. I don't. Have we a, I don't have a comments. I don't have any comments. I can't choose randomly. Let's uh, do. Let's comment. just pick. We're gonna pick randomly. 
So comment number. I don't know how many there are. Can I, can I see your phone real quick? Yeah. Just pick one random. Just okay. scroll through I'm just there. Scroll my finger on one. This there comments giveaway one. thing is uh, becoming oh. interesting. Can you see the old ones? No, I'm not sure why they disappeared. They've frozen. You guys want to know what happens when you give two fishermen a uh, Facebook on a phone? We're Nothing. Not fishing. Nothing. Should we just give it to the person that said me, Elijah Jones? Elijah Jones! <laughs> Elijah Jones, because we're having You're technical difficulties. We're having technical difficulties. Way to say, way to jump in. Way, to. way to win. You just won this this Marshware hat. Super cool, super awesome. We're going to be giving away some more AFCO stuff next Is that Elijah week. or Eli? Eli? Elijah. Yeah, Elijah. Okay. Elijah. Cool. Okay, cool. So uh, we got some stickers for you. We got a shirt for you. Man, just thank you guys so much. We appreciate you watching the episode. A little different today. I know Judson had had a long day. I had a long day, so we both kind of came in here a little scatterbrained. Uh, just super tired. Had some new adventures start this week as well. But man, overall, love the show. Thanks so much again. Thanks for, for having me it. again, Billy and, uh, and Judson. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude, for we'll sure. have to think about that uh, special episode where you hang your head in the door and yeah, we'll say do that. Hey, don't don't start too much. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so well, cool, Elijah. Reach out to us, and we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll get that stuff shipped out to you. Just send over your address. Did you already say this? Nope. Send over your address in the uh, in the comments section. Actually, just send it to our, our, our <laughs> yeah, account. Don't, don't comment it. Your don't address, your it. phone number, your social security number. All no, right. yeah, just send it over to our, our Eastern Current account on Facebook, and we will get that stuff shipped out to you here in a jiffy. Yeah, awesome, guys. Well, once again, appreciate it. Uh, if you guys need any more fishing information, get in touch with Judson or get in touch with Jason. Do not get in touch with me because obviously you can tell on the show I'm the novice and I'm here to it's learn. It's novice. And novice. I'm just kidding. I can't even say it. Who cares? Tomato, tomato. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. We're in North Carolina. And Billy knows a lot more than he gives himself credit to know. He, he, no, I don't really. I'm, I'm, I'm like so learning everything. So it's really good. Um, cool guys. Well, man, we appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. And what what do we got going on next week? Who are we bringing on? We- next week we are bringing on Dave and Ralph from uh, Ice Strike Fishing down in South Carolina, and we're going to talk about the kind of the inshore fishing that they've got going on down there, and uh, some of the tackle that they've got in the works. So we're excited about that. Yeah, be sure to to tune in, and uh, it's going to be a pretty cool giveaway as well. So. Yeah, so we we'll get all that promotional stuff put out there, and, and then just a lot of people are like helping us promote. I mean, I've seen just a ton of people promoting the show and, and, and sharing the episodes after we're done. Uh, so episode two, still learning a lot in the studio, still a lot of moving parts in here, but yeah, man, we're getting it. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out this comments thing too. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's frustrating me because that's, that's like my favorite part of the show. But anyway, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Eastern Current. We'll see you next week as we bring on Dave and Ralph from iStrike. It's going to be a phenomenal show, and we'll have all that promo stuff out soon. We'll talk to you later. Have a great night. Yeah. Later. Yeah.